Lord said, here, take this series. Run with this one. And I, I got to looking at it, and I said, Lord, <laughs> I kind of like that. And I'm going to kind of go with that. So it was about four or five messages that came out of that. Uh, and uh, I'm going to use Psalms 23 just as a springboard to go. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to be in a uh, uh, we're going to be all over the Bible. You know, we're going chapters here, verses there, books there, and everything. So keep your Bible open. But I want you to see uh, when I preach this and uh, what God gave to me, so you can. It, it, I'm, I'm sure. Let me see this. I'm, I'm sure it's going to help you, like it helped me. And uh, like I said, I, the things that was happening with me, I I was getting discouraged. I was getting. I was about ready to say, Lord, I'm through. I'm through. But he brought me to this, and he gave me this thought, and I, and I let's start. Let's start. Uh, let's start with Psalms twenty-three. We'll go from there. Psalms twenty-three says, "The Lord is my shepherd," and I, and I love this. I shall not want. I, I love that. I, I love that right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. I love that. He restoreth my soul. He, he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. I love this. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Underline that. In the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, with an open heart, Lord. I, I, Hearts are open to you, Father. We just ask you to fill our hearts with what you would want it to be in. Lord, I pray for each one here tonight, Lord, may something to be said, something to be done to, to get an encouragement to keep on walking, Father. And we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the next few weeks, uh, I, I want to home in on that thought in the presence of my enemies. Here, here in the text, the psalmist makes this remarkable statement. He said, God, you're able to provide. You're able to prepare. You're able to protect me in the presence of my enemies tonight. That phrase in the presence literally means right in front of. He says, Lord, you're right in front of me. He says, you're right in front of my enemies. While the world, while the devil, while those seek to do me harm, do me wrong. While they are literally in front of me, God, you just keep on preparing. You just keep on providing. You just keep on protecting while they're looking to harm me. You're able to throw uh, uh, the spread out on the set the table before the presence of my enemies. And you're able to lead me. You're my shepherd. You guide me in the presence of my enemies. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I want you to get this and I want you to get it because I got it. The Christian life is not the absence of enemies. 
The Christian life is the presence of God in the midst of your enemies. Being all around you, the enemies all around you, on every side of the God in the presence of your enemies. The Christian life doesn't not mean you won't have enemies. Amen. Christian life doesn't mean the devil won't shoot at you. Amen. The world won't shoot at you. And the people won't shoot at you. The Christian life means there is a good God in heaven that will gather all around you while they're enticing you, encircling you, while the enemies are, are moving around you. There's a God in heaven that says, I will prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. Right in the midst of it, God says, I'll prepare a table for you. Ain't it funny how some Christians can be walking through this midst of their enemies? I mean, hell, hell's coming at them a, a half an acre large. And they can come to the house of God and raise their hand and praise God. And say, I want to just say God has been good. We don't, we don't know what everybody fights. We don't know what everybody's going against. But they can come to the house of God and say, God has been good. God is good to me. I love the Lord, and God has been faithful. I, I pray, and God has given me some verses. You say, what, what is that, that God is preparing a table in the presence of my enemies? David enjoying joy's fellowship with God right in front of everybody. He's enjoying the presence of God that want to do him harm. David is enjoying it. We all understand that we are living in a hostile world today. The world is not conducive to being a Christian life. Everything about the world is trying to pull you away from God, is trying to sway you away from God. They try to make you walk away from God. They want to sidetrack you from living for God. Now, I'm talking about if you see it on TV, uh, on the Internet, there's children of, of disobedience, the Bible said. There are children of disobedience. Everything about the world, the devil has geared it up to try to make you walk, stumble, and sidetrack. He's trying to hinder you from living the life God wants you to live for him. The good news is he can't do it if you don't want him to. If you want to have fellowship with God, you can have fellowship with God. If you want to have faithfulness with God, you can have faithfulness with God. There ain't enough devils in hell to stop you from serving God if you want to just keep on serving God tonight. God will minister to you. He'll minister to your soul while the world is trying to come against you. He'll bless your soul. When things seem to go wrong in your life and everything's going wrong in your life, God will bless your soul. Now look at how vile and wicked this world is today. How ungodly the world is and all the things you're trying to do is trip us up and trap serving for God. But there's still a God that will set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Throughout the Bible, you'll find God preparing tables for them in the presence of their enemies. Throughout the Bible, you'll see where God has come on the scene, uh, all kinds of stories where God did something in the lives of people right in the presence of their enemies. 
Tonight we're going to look at Moses. Preaching on this theme throughout this next few weeks. In the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. We're looking at Moses tonight. and We're going to use this thought. Surviving in the presence of my enemies. We know Moses' life and how Moses went through. We, uh, we look at him. Go to Exodus chapter 1. Look at Exodus chapter 1 tonight. Here in Moses' early life. We find the enemies are out to get him from the very start. The devil was trying to snuff this boy's life out before it even got started. Look, the Bible said in verse number 13. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in the mortar and in brick. And all the man of the servant field, all their services were in the made them serve was vigorous. Trying to, they're trying to snuff them out. We see here from the very start, they're trying to plot to try to snuff out the people of God, the life of this boy. I feel like when you look around this world today that we're living in, they're trying to do the exact same thing to us. You say, preacher, how can I, I be a Christian living this day, how can I survive in the presence of my enemies? Let me show you some three things about life of Moses that will help you out tonight. That help me. That is essential for surviving in the presence of thy enemies. You, first of all, let me just say, you have to have divine assistance. You have to have divine assistance. In every story that we look at in some series, we'll find that God directs directed assistance that worked the fact that none of us here tonight would be able to do uh, live for God without the presence of God in our life we'll not be able to do things for God if we don't have the presence of God in our life if, if listen apart from God your ship is sunk tonight apart from the help of God you can't live like you should for God tonight talking about acting like you should act without the presence of God Worship like you should worship without the presence of God. You can't be the daddy that God wants you to be without the presence of God. You can't be the mama that God wants you to be without the presence of God. You cannot be the Christian that God wants you to be without the presence of God in your life. Everything is out there is trying to get you away and pull you away. I don't know a lot of you might be just like me. I, I don't want nobody's help. I, I want to do it all myself. I, 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 want to, uh, I want to take charge myself, and I feel like I do it. You know how we are. We don't like to ask for directions when we're lost. Amen. Come on. You know that. I, 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 know, I, want my, I can do it myself. But the Lord has taught me I can't do this by myself. Lord, I need some help in this thing. I can't do it by myself. God, I can't be the husband that you want me to be. I, I can't be the pastor to these people that you want me to be. I, I can't be the leader that you want me to be. Lord, I can't do it myself. I need you. And I need the presence of God even when the enemy are surrounding me. I said, Lord, in my presence of my enemies, how can I survive? I need some divine assistance in my life. 
You want to see divine assistance in Moses' life? Look at chapter number two. They're, they're trying to snuff this boy out before he even gets started. Can I say, like I said this morning, hell know who Moses was. Because <laughs> they were trying to get rid of him before he even got started. Verse number one, and when and went a man out of the house of Levi and took it to the wife and daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and buried a son. When she saw him that he was a goodly child, she said he, she hid him for three months. And when she could not no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrush and dived it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. She's, and she laid it in, in the flags by the riverbank. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Picture this with me. And the daughter, you, you see God's working. They, they'd said all the uh, men ch child uh, uh, was decreed that uh, if a Hebrew had a man child, kill him. If they had a woman child, that was fine. And here she finds that this boy is a goodly boy. God puts it in her heart to hide him for three months. And, and then God puts it in her heart to build a brew rush, to build a basket and put him on the river. God planted that. That's not nobody else. And then all of a sudden God said, hey, uh, I want Moses to live. I got something great for Moses. So God got Pharaoh's daughter to come down to the waters and see him. And Pharaoh's daughters came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maiden to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw a child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him. She looked at the baby, she had compassion on him. And she said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then said her, his sister, now his sister's watching all this. God is orchestrating all this. You see God moving in every bit of this. Then his sister, Pharaoh's daughter, shall, shall I go and call thee a nurse to the Hebrew woman that he, she may nurse this child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said, go to her. Go, and the maiden went and called the child's mother. You see this. Here this woman. She's got this boy. She looks at him. Says a goodly boy. She don't want to kill this boy. So she puts him in a basket and she's standing by the, sitting by the river. She got him in the river. She puts him out. She's thinking this is the last time I'm going to see this child. This is the last time I'm going to see my boy. I'm not going to ever see again. Then all of a sudden God starts moving. God starts getting things happening and God calls Pharaoh's daughter to come down and wash herself by the river. She sees this basket she opens up this bed and there's this baby he's crying and she has compassion on it and Moses own sister sees this this is divine assistance I'm telling you and goes her do you want me to call a Hebrew woman to come and nurse this child for you Yes, go. This Maverick thought when she put him in the water, she said, I'm never going to see my child again. And then his sister come running and say, Hey, Mom, they want you to come and nurse this baby. She's nursing her own baby. And not only is she going to nurse it, they're going to pay you. <laughs> Woo! You can't get no better than that. 
She done gave it up from hope. She said, hey, I'm letting him go. I want him to go. God could do something with him. I'm going to let him go. But God divinely orchestrated everything. You see what's happening. This woman said, I can't do nothing else. I've done all I can do. She stuck him in the river. She puts him in the river. Now you ain't going to tell me that that he wasn't on God's GPS. You're not going to tell me God wasn't orchestrating this. This is all God. This is all God. You say, well, that's a good story. That's an awesome story. How God done that for Moses. I want you to understand this. If God cared about Moses, God cares about you. If God loves you and God loves Moses, God's going to love you tonight. Amen. God's going to take care of you. Don't think that there ain't a God in heaven that don't love you tonight. Don't think there ain't a God in heaven that wants to protect you. Don't think there ain't a God in heaven that wants to give you divine assistance when the devil comes against you, when the world comes against you, when all your enemies are surrounding you and they're throwing their darts at you. Don't think there ain't a God up there orchestrating your life. Walk this way. Talk this way. I'll show you. Don't worry about them. I, got, I prepared a table in the presence of thy enemies. Amen. You said, well, that was good for Moses. Moses is out walking around on the backside of the desert. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame in a bush. And the bush was not consumed. You know what that was? That was divine assistance. God shows us and said, I am that I am. I'm, I'm going to send you to Egypt. I'm going to send you right back to where you came from. I want you to do something for me. God sent Moses right back to Egypt, to get, and he gets to Pharaoh. He comes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh wants to kill him. Pharaoh wants to do away with him, but he can't. He can't touch him. Why? Why can't he touch him? He's Pharaoh. He can do anything he wants to because God's hands on Moses. Moses got divine assistance. He's got a higher power than Pharaoh. Then, then he marches out of Egypt. All the children of Israel marching out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea. He can't go through it. He can't go around it. can't get over it. Divine assistance that shows up. Hold the water back. And they walk across on dry land. They get out in the wilderness, got nothing to drink. Divine assistance shows up and give them water from a rock. They're crying, they ain't got no, nothing to eat. And divine assistance shows up and they get manna from heaven. And the Bible said for 40 years they walked around in the desert Shoes were not wore out, and clothes wore out. Were not wore out. They didn't have Walmarts then. They couldn't stop by Kmart and get a brand new set of clothes. 
So God, divine assistance, hey, the clothes that you got is not going to wear out. The shoes you got is not going to wear out. I want to show you that when God gets on your side, he's going to assist you no matter what the world is going to come around you and what to do. Amen. In the presence of my enemies, God is still God. And when we learn that God is still God, when God is God in the good times and God is God in the bad times, when God is God on the mountain, God is still God in the valley. And what he done for you on the mountaintop, God's going to do for you down in the valley. Divine assistance. I'm just simply saying, if we're going to survive in the presence of our enemies, we're going to have to have some divine assistance from heaven. You say, well... I don't see it. Neither did Moses, but he experienced it. <laughs> Moses didn't see it, but he experienced it. There's an unseen hand in Moses' life. Moses can't see the hand, but Moses know that God spoke to him. You need to do this. And when God speaks, Moses answers, and God do, uh, Moses does it, and God replies exactly what he said he will do. And I'm telling you the same thing. There's an unseen hand in your life. Uh, when the enemy comes at you, don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't turn around and run. Don't give up. Don't quit church. Don't stop reading your Bible. Get into it more because there's an unseen seen hand that's holding your enemy back they cannot get close enough to you to harm you talking about the divine assistance in the presence of your enemies surviving in the presence of thy enemies look at Hebrews chapter 11 the good old hall of fame book Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11. Not only is there needs to be a divine assistance, but there must be a discerning awareness. So what do you mean by discerning awareness? You need to know, you need to be aware of something, you need to uh, realize something. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith where we find all those great Old Testament saints. Right in the middle we'll find Moses talking about needing discerning awareness if you're going to survive in the presence of your enemies, look at verse number 11. And 23, tell me 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months. And we just read it. We talked about it of his parents because he saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he would come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see what I mean? If I'm going to survive, I need to have some discerning awareness. Here's how you get it. Here's how you survive in the presence of your enemy. Moses realized he was not one of them. He didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. He didn't walk like them. He didn't act like them. Moses came to a point he realized, I'm not one of them. I'm one of them. You've got to come to a point in your life, you've got to realize, you ain't one of them. You're one of them. Moses says, I, I'm not part of them, and I refuse to be called 
them. Now, you've got to get this. There's this woman who raised him from a child. Here, here's a man that's next in line to the throne. Here's a man that's got power. Here's a man that's got an education. Here's a man that has everything at his feet. And yet he says, hey, I refuse to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. He realized something. He has a discerning. He said, I'm not like them. I'm not supposed to be with them. I'm supposed to be with the children of Israel. He gets a discernment. His, his realization to where he said, I am not an Egyptian. <laughs> when we talk about Egyptian, we talk about the world. Christians need to get a hold of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not the world. I'm a child of God. I'm in Egypt, but I'm not of the, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. He lives for 40 years in Egypt. He lives for 40 years as an outcast on the backside, pretending the sheep for his uh, uh, father-in-law, and then he lives for 40 years wandering around in the desert. His life is broken in 40 years increments. We see God in every part of it. That's how Moses' life broke down. And at the end of that 40 years in his life, he has a realization, I don't look like them. I don't talk like them. I'm different from them. I refuse one more day to act like them. Let me just say, Christians, we need to have some realization in our life to say, hey, I refuse one more day to walk in this world, act like a world. I'm not of this world. I'm, I might be in it, but I'm not part of this world. And you need some discernment about that. I'm a child of God. I'm, you know what the problem is? We have a hard time telling Christians from sinners. It's a hard time. Because a lot of Christians look, look like a lot of sinners I know. Why do you say that? Because they act the same way they did before they got saved. They walking out in the world enjoying the things of the world, the pleasures of this world, and yet they come to church on Sunday and want to praise God. You need some discernment. The generation that we're living in there wants to reach Egypt, the enemy of God. This is how they do it. The generation today, you can see it. I've told you, what, go around and look at some of these churches. They're trying to reach e Egypt, the enemy of God, by acting like Egypt. You get that? They're trying to draw them in. They're trying to draw in Egypt with the exact same thing they're trying to get them out of. Amen. You cannot draw the world in and try to get them out of the world when you act like the world, talk like the world, smell like the world, look like the world. They're not going in. They're going to have the best of both worlds. But yet they're going to be lost and undone, dying and going to hell because preachers stand in the pulpit say everything's all right. You can't bring the world in by acting like the world. We have a, they call it, Trojan horse Christianity. If you can't tell what I am, I fooled you. Amen. We got that going on in Christian churches today, everywhere we see. How can you infiltrate them? Jesus, let me make you fisher of men. Jesus said that you'll be fisher of men. That means you're going to get out of the water and act like a fish? No. You ain't going to put on a fish shoot and go down. 
Yeah, yeah, no. Jesus says you're going to be a fisherman. What are you going to do? Hey, you're going to go out in the world and you're going to bring them out of that world because of who you are and what you stand for and how you act. And let me tell you what, if you, if you walk with God and you've got the power of God on that world wants to see it. And if the world sees it, they're going to want what you got because they know that what you got is real if you walk that life. They, they don't know what's real if you, <laughs> you go to work and say, well, I go to church on Sunday. You're standing by the cooler cussing up a storm. Well, if that's the kind of church you go to, I, don't, I, I guess I'll come. I'll be just as saved as you are. That Trojan horse Christianity, we try to bring them in by infiltrating them. We find that Moses said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to be a king of a vast domain. Let me say this tonight, if you are going to see some divine assistance and this discerning awareness and survive in the presence of your enemies, you'll have to get to a place where you say, I may lose a lot by walking with God. I, I may lose some friends. I, I may lose a promotion. But I'd rather walk with God and with God's people than to walk with the crowd any day of my life. That divine. Look at verse number 26. It said Moses looked at God's riches. And looked at Egypt's riches. He said I'd rather have God's riches than the Egyptian riches. But if you read Moses' life, he ain't got no riches at all. If you study Moses' life, uh, uh, you realize he, he didn't get rich by following God. Egyptians had gold, they got silver, they got fame, they got power. They got all that stuff. But that's not what he's got by following God. You know what he got? 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness with a bunch of whining, complaining backsliders. Where is that rich is at? He said, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches that he was saying having a personal relationship with God, sitting at the table of God is worth more than any physical riches that I can throw in at me, anything that can come at me. A child of God, listen to me, if you're walking with God and having the peace of God in your soul, that should be worth more than any dollar bill you got in your pocket, anything that you own, you got the peace of God, you got the peace of God in your soul, that should be worth more than anything. This world has to throw at you. And he said unto the re recompense of the reward. The, the reward is not down here what he's saying is. He, he was looking yonder. He, he wasn't looking here. He, he was looking yonder. You want to survive in the presence of your enemies. Stop being so nearsighted and living here. Start living out there. And have some divine assistance. Isn't it something, sometimes if you're going to survive the presence of the enemy, sometimes you go, are going to be a stranger in your own home? You're going to be an enemy in your own house? Because if you're walking with God, living with God, it, it, some people just don't like that. He, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. That is where he was raised. And he was basically, she was basically his mama. 
And he finally said in verse 24, he looked at this woman that raised him and said, you are not my mama. I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that's tough. That, that's tough. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to walk with Jesus. Matthew 10 said, he said, I come not to, to send peace, but a sword to set a man at variance in his own house. And he said, and a man's foe shall he, be they of his own household. You're going to upset people when you're walking for God. You're going to upset people when you're serving God. And they may be in your own house. You may come against your brother. You may come against your daddy, your mom, your sister. You may come against somebody in your own household. But don't walk away from God. It must be a discerning awareness. It must be a determined abiding. You have to determine to stick it out. Even in the presence of your enemies. Verse 27 says, By faith he forsook Egypt. I told you, like I said, he's, he's next in line for the throne. He had power. And yet he turned around and walked away from it all. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, he had determined that he was going to stick it out as seeing him who is invisible. You will never survive in the presence of your enemy if you don't have endurance. If you don't have endurance. Listen to what I'm about to tell you in my own personal life, and I'm watching the old gray-haired saints of God. The Christian's race has a lot to do with endurance. When I say endurance, I'm not talking about that running endurance. In the I'm talking about sticking in it, dra dragging through it when things don't go right, when things are coming against you, when the enemy is coming against you. You just have the endurance to keep going on for God. You keep getting in your Bible. You keep coming to church. You keep praying. You keep witnessing. You keep telling about Jesus. Just keep on doing Have that endurance no matter what comes up against you. Some people say, how did you survive being married 48 years? That's what I said. She ain't killed me yet. Got to have some endurance. Got to have endurance. He looks at this woman that raised him and said, you're not my mama. And I refuse to be called the son of the Lord. Surviving in the presence of thy enemies. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's not impossible. You can survive in the presence of your enemies. You can survive in the presence of Do you know why Moses endured? He knew that if he quit, now listen to me, he knew that if he quit, it was going to give God a bad name. Look at Numbers chapter 14. Look at Numbers chapter 14. And I, I want you to get this in your mind tonight too. Watch 
his endurance. Chapter 14 of Numbers, verse number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will these people provoke me? God's getting angry at them. God's getting up. So they're whining and complaining to Moses. And God says, you know, I'm tired of this. How long will they, it will be the air they, they believe me? For all the signs which I have shown among them. Everything God has done before them, they, and yet they still complain. God said, I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them and make them a greater nation and make thee a greater nation and mightier than God says, you know what? I'm just going to wipe all them out, Moses, except you, Joshua, and Caleb. I'm, I'm getting rid of all of them because they just getting, they just, they, they, they ain't worth it. And I'll make a greater nation out of you. And then Moses said unto the Lord, Lord, if you do that, if you do that, then the Egyptians shall hear of it. For thou broughtest up these people and thy mighty and they from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. For they heard that thou art among his people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and thy, thy cloud standeth over them, they, and that they goest before them by day, time and a pillar, and a cloud and a pillar of the fire at night. Now, if thou shalt kill all these people as one man, then the nation which have heard these fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land which he swore unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. You see the reason why Moses endured. All that Moses went through. He said, because God, if, if I say I, I find it, I'm fine, I'm done with them, I'll quit, I'll give up, I'll walk away, I'll join the crowd. The enemy's too much, I just can't handle it no more, I, I just want to give up, I quit with you, you know. That if he does that, the enemy, God, look and see with it, say, God, you're not able, God, you're not able. God's not powerful as he says he is. Not, God is not able to what he says he do. God couldn't even bring them into the land he promised them. You know why you should have endurance walking with God? Because if you quit, it will give a great occasion to the enemy of God to blaspheme him. If you throw in the towel, if you go back and you work and say, I'm through with church, they, all of them say, I told you so. It wasn't real. It was a joke. I knew it wasn't real. I knew you was going to give it. I knew you was going to quit. If you quit, you open up the door for the enemy to curse our God. You open up the door for the devil to sling mud in our God's face. God has been good to you and I. Too great for me to throw the towel in. I will not quit to let somebody mouth off about my God that he's not able to do what he says he's able when I know God is able. I'm not going to give the enemy a chance to blaspheme my God. 
It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what I stand against. It doesn't matter how many enemies are going to come around me. I'm going to stand with God and I'm going to praise God in the midst of my enemy because God said, I'll prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. I'll help you survive in the presence of our enemy. I'm going to hold on to what God said and I'm going to take that promise with me all the way. I'm not going to let the devil, I'm not going to let the world, I'm not letting the enemies that sway me to give up and walk away from God. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay with God. He's been too good for me. He's given me everything I've got. He's given me more than I deserve. More than I deserve. But God has been there. God is faithful. And he's always going to be faithful. Surviving in the presence of your enemies. Every one of us here tonight has enemies. If you proclaim the name of Jesus and you say I'm a child of God, there's a bullseye on your back. They're going to come after you. But God says, you know what, even in the midst of your enemies, I'll keep on protecting, I'll keep on preparing, and I'll lay everything out for you. He is guiding the ship he guided Moses. Moses followed him. <laughs> and what Moses went through, I mean, say, I'd have gave up too. I'd have been like Moses. I'm through with him. Lord, go ahead and kill him. Let's get it over with. We'll start a brand new. But Moses says, no, you can't do that because if you do, it's going to give you a bad name. God's not going to let the enemy, <laughs> get this, God is not going to let the enemy destroy you. If God lets the enemy destroy you, God is not as powerful as he says he is. So I'm just holding on to that fact. Hey, you know, I, it, it's not saying that I don't have enemies. It's not saying that I, I'm not going to ever be in the presence of my enemies. He just said, in the presence of my enemies, God's going to be in the midst with me. Amen. And that's what he's trying to say. How to survive in the presence of your enemies. Amen.